0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. As you're, see- as you're uh, finding your seats, my name is Josh, preaching pastor here. And I uh, just want to talk to you about baptism Sunday. We just named the date on Tuesday. So our next baptism is May 23rd. We're really excited. That'll be at the, uh, the new building after the 10 a.m. service. We only have one more week in the theater. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Really excited about that, and we've already baptized 10 people this year, which is a huge praise to Jesus, and we've had uh, a couple people get saved just last weekend, so we're rejoicing in that. People coming to Christ, coming to saving faith, and so if you need to be baptized, if that is you, and you are thinking through this step of obedience called baptism, okay, uh, sign up on the Church Center app, we'll have one class, we'll help you understand what the scriptures say about baptism, and we will joyfully uh, partner with you for May 23rd, okay? So we are in uh, the book of First Peter, and we are in chapter 4 this morning, verses 1 through 11, as Justin read. And this is our Living Hope sermon series. It's been a great series. God is good. We're winding that down. We will actually be done with First Peter by the end of the month, and we'll be kicking off our summer series in the Psalms, and we're going to be doing the second half of the Psalms, Psalm 75 through 150. We won't be preaching through every Psalm, but we will be uh, preaching through several select Psalms all summer. should be a great summer together. Um, God is good. Now, time is racing by. Can I get a witness? Some of you have already talked about that subject this week. You've thought, you've talked about it. You've thought through, um, where have the days gone, right? It's May already. Where have the hours gone? Where have the weeks gone? Some of you have said, where have the years gone, right? And many of us have said, can I slow down time, please? Because I really don't want it to go as fast as it seems like it's going. Uh, well, no one can stop time. No one can slow down time. All of us exist in time. And there will be a day when all of us exit time, where we pass away from this earth, and all of a sudden what we believe is the most important thing about us. Because our faith will be sight. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I started a time journal in March. I was on my way home from Pennsylvania. I was on an airplane, and I've been wanting to do this now for like two or three years. It's been on my checklist, and I keep pushing it off, you know, Um, and so I finally sat down on this airplane, and I said, I got an hour and a half flight from Harrisburg to Chicago, and I'm just going to write down my memories before I forget them, so I started writing things down, and Um, I was born in 1981, so I started with my earliest memories, 1985 ish. And I started going with one memory, and then you know what happens. Another memory pops into your mind, and then you think about another thing. An hour and a half went like that. And it was so fun. I only got to 1992. That was it. I I didn't have any, I was like, well, the plane's landing, I gotta stop. But here's just a couple things, right? In 1986, I pushed my best friend, Ben, down the stairs, and he cracked his head open at church. Oh. The Daggetts were labeled as a problem early on, <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment. It was chaos, and my parents came to me and said, what did you do? Nothing. Nothing push my best friend down the stairs, right? 1987, I got my shoelaces caught in bike pedals, in my bike pedals in a sod field with sod trucks bearing down on me. All my brothers and our friends in the neighborhood, we all biked across this sod field all the time and I had a one gear BMX bike, silver. It was a mongoose, it was awesome and I was biking as fast as I could, and my, my shoelaces got caught in the bike pedals, and those were the metal bike pedals. And so all my brothers are like, dude, get out of the sod field. The sod trucks are coming. They're behind me. as like a movie in my mind. Like, you know, I got to get that done, you know, get out of the way, just in time before they run me over. And, and I couldn't get them tied, untied. Or untangled, so I was just like, forget it. So I start dragging the bike like this. (laughs) And I I got my leg bloodied and battered and all that stuff. That was petrifying. Feels like it was yesterday. Um, But time flies by. It's racing by. And as time goes along, people want to influence your mind and mine. This world wants to influence how you process information. They want you to think a certain way, have a certain mindset. If you want to be cool and you want to get along in this world and you want to be a good citizen, people are after your mind. This world system is after your mind. So in order to have a mindset, you normally pick up your mindset from your family. Normally. Like how your dad or your grandpa or your grandma or your mom operated. That's kind of the mindset you take into life. And then um, you better have the correct mindset because life goes really, really fast. And if you don't have the right mindset, you can waste your life on foolish living. Here's an illustration I've been using three times in the last two weeks with people. And I share this with you this morning just as an introduction to 1 Peter chapter 4, eternity past is infinite. God never had a beginning. And if you can wrap your mind around that, you are an amazing human being. Because there has never been a beginning for God. He's always existed. Before time even was in existence, God existed. And then there's eternity future. Right, so there is this eternity coming, there is this future coming in, that we can't even grasp. It's beyond our ability to grasp, but it will be forever and ever and ever. And then the line down the middle is your life and my life. We get this little, this little line. And Psalm 90 says that life is short. 70 years, Moses said. Or 80 years, if you're really strong, 80 years, and then you you fly away. You enter into this eternity. And so it would be absolutely foolish, looking at this picture, to spend all your time, talent, and energy on the line. Living only for the line. It would be foolish to waste your life on sin and frivolity and crazy stuff when eternity is in front of you. Eternity. Now, think about this. Jesus will rule and reign in the future for a thousand years. It's called the millennial rule of Jesus Christ. There is a day coming in the future where Christ will sit on his earthly throne for a thousand years. That's a long time, people. Can I get an amen? Thousand-year reign, and if you know Christ, you'll rule and reign with him. So this life is not all that there is. You'd better be living this life for the next one because if you can imagine ruling and reigning for a thousand years, that is the future and that is just a minuscule part of eternity. Eternity is beyond anything we can ask, think, or imagine. Eternity is going to last forever and ever and ever. So the little line that you get right now, the 70 years, the 80 years that you get right now, you'd better have the right mindset. That's what Peter is saying. You better live wisely because whatever you do in the here and now will be reflected in the eternal. So, Peter affirms that time is racing by. Verse two, if you look with me in verse two, it says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Verse three For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That is a future time reference from Peter. Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand, which is a time reference that the end of humanity or the end of, of, of human civilization is at hand. So Peter affirms that time is real and time is racing by us. And he wanted his readers in 1 Peter to understand that they need to get a strong mindset as they live their lives. So um, he says it in verse 1, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. And so Peter is telling you need to telling his audience and telling us, you need to have the mindset of Christ. If you're going to make it as a Christian, you got to have the mindset of Christ. Now, the mindset of Christ is a totally different mindset than the mindset of the world. So as time is racing and by, our lives are so short. James 4 verse 14 says that our lives are a vapor, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. So it's crucial that we adopt the mindset of Christ. And I think that is the heart of what Peter is saying. All believers here this morning need to get the mindset of Jesus. Now, if you have believed in Christ for salvation, you have the birth of the mind of Christ. Amen? That's a good thing. If you're in Jesus, your mind is changed. If you've come to Christ, you changed your mind at some point about eternal life and sin and death. You changed your mind. Now, that's the starting line, right, of the rest of your life, of adopting a mindset of Jesus. So all believers need to adopt it, and, I, and I'm going to lay it out in three truths this morning for us. Getting Jesus' mindset is where I want you to go, and, and it means that I need to shift my mind to his, okay? Okay? So as we think about our lives as Christians in this world in 2021, we need to shift our mind toward Jesus, not the other way around. We don't sit around and wait for Jesus to change his mind and come to us. We change our mind now to his. So we need to make some mind shifts. Okay? Mind shift number one is this, I'm willing to embrace suffering. That's the first mind shift that I think we need to take that needs to take place this morning as we look at Peter's words to us, verses one and two. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Christ suffered. Circle that in your Bible if you take notes. Christ suffered. Jesus Christ was badly affected. That's what the word means. Jesus had to suffer physically for your sins and for mine. It got to a place where Jesus not only had, did he have to take the verbal abuse of his enemies, but he had to take the physical abuse. Now, if you think of Jesus and his 33 years on the earth, he was a very physical guy. Right? He was the son of a carpenter. What do carpenters do? They are physically engaged in making stuff. right? So Jesus had a very physical upbringing, and then he fasted for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. How many of you have fasted for 40 days? Yeah, can I get a, can I get a big goose egg probably? Right? Yeah, zero. 40 days without eating. Can you imagine the physical temptation of Jesus, like the weakness that he felt. And then you look at his ministry and he's traveling around and he's preaching all the time and he's healing people and that's taking a lot out of him and he's always, he's always moving here, there, and everywhere. And then he dies on a cross. He bears the crown of thorns on his head. His side is, is struck through with a spear. His wrists get big nails Slammed into them. His feet get absolutely wrecked with a nail straight through both of them. And before that, he got flogged, which is a whip that is so severe it takes the life of most people who get it. Jesus did all of that for you and me because you know what? It wasn't just theory land for Jesus. Aren't you glad? His love wasn't theory. His love was real for us. He gave up his physical life for us. This is the most humbling thing in all the world. This is the most important reality of the message this morning is that Christ came and he loved sinner me so much that he would go endure that kind of physical death for me. And if he did that for me, it changes my life. Because as B-Song said earlier, it's a relationship now. Right? It's a relationship. So therefore, physical sufferings, Peter says, you should arm yourselves with the same way of thinking as Jesus. Jesus, during his death, was thinking of you. He was thinking of Christ. He was thinking of heaven. He was thinking of eternity in the future. Jesus was thinking through that. Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised its shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. We are to furnish ourselves with the same kind of way of thinking. This is a military term. It means to furnish your mind with spiritual guns. That's what it means. It's a metaphor for arming your thinking with with a lot of defense. Okay, it means getting tough mentally. Perhaps you played athletics in high school and your coach said, "Hey, you need to toughen up mentally. You need to not break down during a game. You need to toughen yourself up." That's the idea of this. We as Christians need to get ready for warfare and death potentially. There might be a day in our walk with Jesus where we are required to physically suffer for the name of Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? There's a lot of sufferings in this world, aren't there? There's a lot of layers to it. Suffering is just living in a broken world, and the world's broken, and it stinks to live and, in, and sometimes we just have to suffer because derecho comes through or a massive tornado comes through or a massive piece of weather just because we live in a broken world. There's also, there's also suffering that happens just because our, our bodies get older and they break down. That's suffering as well. But the layer of suffering that Peter is talking about is going vocal for Christ and getting persecuted for it. Naming the name of Jesus and getting persecuted just because you named that name out loud. Now that is coming in this country. That is coming within our society. It may start with just some verbal abuse, which we're okay with. But then it might get financial. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to suffer for Jesus and embrace it when it gets financial? When when there becomes financially Penalty given to you because you name Christ? And then it'll eventually get to this place where are your minds ready to physically suffer for the name of Jesus? Are you ready? I hope so. Christians need tough minds and soft hearts. Christians need tough minds and soft hearts. My fear for our culture is that we have it backwards. Many professing Christians have soft minds and hard hearts. Many Christians walk through this life saying, I hope I don't have to suffer. I hope I I can get through this Christian life thing scot-free. I hope I can get to the end without having to suffer. But Christ suffered for us. We very well might suffer for Christ. In this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, John 16, 33. He also said in John fifteen twenty, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. So, it reflects one of our cultural values at church. Jesus gets first place. Jesus gets first place at Living Waters. No matter the cost. And we as Christians, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we must embrace this thing that says, I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to do it. Jesus, I'm not looking for it. Jesus, I don't necessarily want it in my life, but if you call me to it, I'm willing to do it. So Jesus changes our entire orientation as a believer. He changes our minds to say, it's, it's a pleasure to suffer for the name of Jesus. It's a pleasure to name the name of Christ and and to suffer physically for it. God, give us the grace to get to that place. We have to be willing to embrace suffering. And before you ever suffer physically, you might just need to suffer verbally. You might just need to suffer by being ostracized for the name of God. So believer in Jesus, life is short. Time is flying by. So how are you going to embrace this suffering in your life? What are you going to do? Because, you know, the pain is temporary. The glory is forever. I used to have a coach that sat in the weight room, and he was a wrestling coach, and he was, uh, we're building championships kind of guy. You know that guy? We, we lift weights. We inflict pain on ourselves. Daggett, put more weight on that bar. You know, do more weights. Because the pain is temporary, boys. The, te- the pain is temporary. But the glory is forever. Well, if you tell that gospel to a bunch of high school kids with a lot of te- testosterone, you know what you're going to get? Yeah! I'll break my body for you, coach. Whatever you want me to do. Right? You know what the glory ended up being? Some wins, which were fun, in a bunch of games that nobody remembers anyway. Unless you can rattle off the Winterset Boys basketball schedule from 1999. Anybody want us to try? Okay. Look, Jesus is saying something much greater than a weight room coach ever could say. The pain you experience for the name of Jesus is real. And it's hard, and Jesus sees it. But he says, look, it's temporary because the glory is forever. The mindset needs to be, I'm willing to embrace suffering for Jesus' sake. We need to take on that mindset. The second mindset that God wants us to look at, mindset number two, is to say no, I will say no to this evil world. Verses three through six. If we're going to have Jesus' mindset, we need to embrace this one. I will say no to this evil world. Verses three through six. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And that is why the gospel is preached to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh, they might live unto God. Peter says, The time past suffices. What is Peter saying? He's saying this. Hasn't there been enough time already spent by you Christians in your former life before you came to know Christ? Haven't you already spent enough time in the world with all of its vices and all of its sins? The world is constantly flooding our lives with sinful temptations, right? All the time, the world is seeking to woo us back. Because the world has lost us to Jesus. If you know Christ, Satan already lost, right? Amen? The world already lost. So what's the world's whole strategy? It's trying to woo you back into the sins that you used to do before you knew Jesus. And that's a flood. That's what Peter calls it, a flood of debauchery. And and Peter is saying, look, hasn't there been enough time already? Haven't you indulged in the flesh enough? Alexander McLaren, the great theologian, said this. He said, let us look back at our wasted years and give no more precious moments to serve the corruptible flesh. Peter gives us a list of sins that the Gentile world engages in, and let's just go through those one by one so you understand. The first one is sensuality. Do you see it there? Sensuality. It means self-abandonment. It means free reign. It means no abandoning, uh, it means or no limits on morality, which basically means that morality is subjective and relative. That's what sensuality is. Um, Modern day terms, it's this, you do you. Amen? You ever heard that gospel before? You do you, I'll do me. Right? What's good for you is good for you. That's cute that you met Jesus. That's good for you, but this is good for me. Because morality is uh, subjective and relative. No one gets to say what it is, so it's on a sliding scale all the time, right? If you meet someone who is living in sensuality, you're always trying to figure out what morality they buy into. And our world is filled with it today. Self-abandonment, whatever you want to do is fine. What about passions? Passions. These are inordinate Desires. Blown up cravings for earthly things. Let me ask you, you got any cravings this morning? Got any cravings for sin? Yeah, you do. Of course you do. You know what the world lives by? They live by the sin. Like whatever my cravings are today, that's how I'm going to live. So if I want drugs and alcohol and everything that that gives, that's what I want. I'm going to live according to my passions. And for some of you, that's where you're at. Like you just give in to your passions all the time. Whatever you're craving, that's what you get. What about food? Food's not like as bad as drugs and alcohol, right? (laughs) What about food? I crave that. I crave the bad kind. I crave the bad kind of food all the time. That's what I want. And that's that's what I need. What about sports? We crave it. We want it. What about entertainment? We want that too. So so the the Gentile world is full of passion where it's just whatever my cravings are, that's what I want. Drunkenness. Peter lists this out. It's a compound word that actually means to be wine-filled. To be filled with wine, to be drunk, to be overflowing. Um, Peter also lists orgies, okay? Orgies. That's kind of awkward, Peter, for Sunday morning, isn't it? It's a party or a festival, all right? And in that day, it was a party or a festival for the goddess Dionysus. She was the god of wine and pleasure. So the modern day vernacular for this word is think Mardi Gras, okay? Think Mardi Gras. Think Las Vegas. Think um, St. Patrick's Day, which is totally ironic. Not so Catholic, are we, right? Right? Think about this this party, this festival. That's what Peter's talking about. And then he's talking about drinking parties, and we're going to dive deep in the Greek here. Drinking parties means drinking parties. That's it. You're welcome. Red solo cup. That's what I wrote down. Lawless idolatry is a moral free-for-all, just a free-for-all regarding God's creation. So, what does Jesus do when he saves us? What Jesus does is he pulls us out of that mindset. Praise God. By his grace, he pulls us out of the mindset of the world and all that stuff, and he says, look, I'm going to save your soul from that flood of debauchery. I'm going to save you from all that stuff, and in the midst of it, I'm going to give you the ability to say the magical word no to all of it. In Jesus, you have the ability to say no. Jesus said in John 17, 16, my disciples are not of this world just as I am not of this world so you can say no christian that's the beautiful thing about the the day we live in because jesus has saved us you can get victory can i get a witness everybody in the world wants to say you'll never get over this you'll never get over that you'll never get over this you'll never get over that jesus comes along and he says my death on the cross and my resurrection is powerful enough to make you born again and give you the power to say no So all of a sudden, you can say no to this stuff and when you do say no, it feels so good because it's good to have victory. It's good to win. It's good to not live underneath the prison of all of those sins. And when you say no, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to get love letters from the world. When you say no they are going to be surprised that you don't join them. And then they're going to malign you. So when you finally say no, and you could say it like powerfully, or you could say it graciously, whatever whatever one you want. No matter how you say it to the world, they're going to be shocked That you're not joining them in sin anymore. They're going to be like, what in the world's happening? And then, you know what they're going to do next? They're going to blaspheme you and speak evil about you to everybody that they can. That doesn't sound fun. They're going to rip you verbally. You know what? They're going to do it to anybody who's going to listen. You might even say that they're going to cancel you. Okay. Okay. Now we're tracking. In a day of cancel culture, they'll cancel you because you want to please Jesus with your life now. I remember when I was first a Christian, there was all these things in my life. I'm like, I don't even know where to start because I swear all the time. I listen to all the wrong kinds of music. I do all the wrong kinds of things. Like, But I love Jesus, you know? Like, I love him. So then I began to say no. Sometimes it was powerful. Sometimes it was just like, no thanks guys I'm not going to do it anymore Right? or I just stopped showing up to stuff and I remember uh, one of my friends he, he came up to me he's like daggett we're having another kegger are you going to come dude are you going to come party let's do this and I looked at him and I said no I, I'm not going to do that anymore I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm changing a lot of things in my life and he's like what daggett what do you mean you're not going to come like that's ridiculous man Like, this is where the fun is at. And I'm like, I know it's where the fun is at. It's just going to send me to hell, right? And um, it was hard. Early Christianity was hard for me. I don't know if any of you guys relate to that. Because I had to cut off a lot of things. I had to say no to a lot of things. And I think... 21 years later as a Christian, I look around at the Christian culture and my concern is that we as a Christian culture aren't saying no to anything anymore. Church, we gotta rise up. We gotta be different. If Jesus is in us, one of the mindsets we have to have is to say no, no, no. I'm not doing that anymore. I want to be free in Jesus. And I think that's really where we're at. I'm willing to tell the world no. Christian, Are you willing to tell the world no in your life? I want you to evaluate your own world right now. Am I willing to say no? Remember, time is flying by. The days are short. The weeks are short. The years are short. Like, isn't it worth saying no to say yes to Jesus? Isn't it? The Apostle John said it this way, the world is passing away. But he who does the will of God Remains forever. That's the mindset we need. We need to say no to this world and make a stand against the sin that has been so awful in our lives. Thirdly, third mind shift. I will say yes to God's good gifts. Okay? I will say yes to God's good gifts. This is verses 7-7 through 11 and I want I want to say this that Peter is now going to introduce to us what we can say yes to. Now can you almost see the apostle Paul in this text? Can you almost see him and hear his voice? Because it's almost like the apostle Paul in Ephesians saying put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off, put on, put off, put on. If you're going to grow in Jesus, you got to put off your sin and you got to put on Christ. Right? So this is, you can almost hear Paul's voice in Peter right here. Because he's basically saying, say no to the world, which is like a put off. And now he's saying, put on or say yes to God's good gifts. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep living, loving one another earnestly. Show hospitality to one another. Verse 9. If you have a gift, use it to serve one another. Verse 10. Verse 11. Whoever speaks should speak as though speaking the oracles of God. And whoever serves should serve by the strength that God supplies. So, the end of all things is at hand, Peter says in verse 7. Which basically means God is coming. God is coming. Jesus is coming. The process has started. Christ resurrected from the dead. He ascended into heaven. A process started at that moment. That process is going to culminate in the return of Christ, which is the end of all things. And Peter is saying Christ's return could happen today. Okay, 2,000 years later, we're still waiting for the return of Christ. So it didn't come during Peter's life, but it might come during ours. We don't know. So the end of all things is here, and then Peter says, "Here's the mindset you got to pick up. Say yes to the good gifts of God while you're waiting for the return of Christ. Sometimes Christianity can be just no, you know? Like like Peter said, say no to this, say no to the world, say no to the world, right? Sometimes believers can respond by just saying no. You can be the no police all the time. And, and then you're really not a fun Christian to be around. Can I get a witness? And you're like, no, I will not give you a witness, right? (laughs) Because listen, if you're just saying no to the world all the time, you're like, no, I don't drink. No, I don't do drugs. No, I don't do that stuff. I don't swear like you. No, I won't go to that party. No, I won't. You know, you're just the no police and that's half of the Christian life, right? That's just like the first half, and it's like the, it becomes really stinky. It's like that piece of meat like that, that is that gets to the sun and gets exposed and gets warm. Like that's the kind of Christian you are when you say no all the time, okay? Say no, that's half. The other half is say yes, say yes, right? Say yes to what? God and his good gifts, okay? So Peter wants you to say yes. To what? Well, he lists out gifts. There's six of them, depending on how you count. And um, he says, because the end is near, live this way. Be self-controlled. All right, that's the first thing he says. And that word means to have a controlled mind. Have your mind under control, under Christ's control, and be sober-minded. Be calm and collected. Okay, believers are called to say yes to having a good mind. And that mind thinks calm and collected, all right? That's an area of growth. I know for myself, that's definitely an area of growth. For some of you, that's an area of growth. Say yes to that. Being self-controlled, sober-minded, okay? And then keep loving one another earnestly, okay? That means to be stretched out for someone. That means as a Christian, you're stretching yourself out to love your brother or sister in Christ. And here's a here's a good illustration of it. Okay? Here is a uh, track and field baton handoff. And this is a really good picture of what it looks like to love one another earnestly. Okay? So the track runner's coming in with the baton and and he's stretching out to reach to his teammate to give him the baton. So you see he's he's stretching his physical body out for the good of his teammate. This is what it looks like for you and me as we live our Christian life. We are meant to stretch ourselves so that our brother or sister in Christ can be blessed. We are called to absolutely love one another sacrificially or earnestly. We are to show hospitality to one another. Now, this means to be generous to guests. Okay. Now, let's, let's take a look at it, this, this verse real quick. Be, show yourself um, to have hospitality, and he says, do that without grumbling. Don't you love how Peter already anticipates our sin nature? (laughs) Show hospitality, which means be generous to your guests, and do that without grumbling, because Peter knows how the sin nature works inside of us, that we will be gracious for a while, but we have a tendency to grumble about our guests, right? You can come over to my house for an hour, but not two. You can come for three hours, but not four. You can come for dinner, but don't eat that much. You know, you you can stay at my house for a night, but not two nights. Peter already anticipates it because Hospitality is a gift from God that is part of his good gift to his church, and that's what you should be saying yes to. You should be saying yes to hospitality. This is a book by Rosaria Butterfield. For some of you, you've read it, right? And some of you haven't. You need to, some of you need to grab this book and read it. It's talking about how the gospel comes with a house key. You know, some of the greatest opportunities you're going to have to share the gospel with a non-Christian is around your table in your house. Can I get a witness? Some of the greatest opportunities you're going to have to build up the body of Christ is by opening your house and, 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 and giving to other people for their good Spiritually especially in the day and age we live in where everybody's techie and everybody's on their phones and everybody's separated from one another, an invitation to a house with real face-to-face conversation and real food that goes back and forth, that is so abnormal and so amazing. Some of you are like, well, my house is not big enough. My house is pretty humble. My apartment's pretty humble. I don't think Jesus cares. I think Jesus wants you to open your home to someone in need. Some of you are like, my house is too big. My house is, you know, <laughs> my house is too fancy. It's too nice. I, I don't think Jesus really cares. I think Jesus wants you to open your home to who? Anybody? Your neighbors? Your small group? Believers in Christ, non-Christians that you're reaching out to, like, open up your house. It's one of the gifts of God. It's one of the gifts of God you say yes to. So for some of you believers, this is a word for you. Like, you, you need to change. You need to become hospitable. You need to open your home. When's the last time you opened your home for Jesus? For some of you, you just need to keep on keeping on. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep having people over. It's a great thing because Jesus says this is one of the good gifts you can say yes to. We're supposed to serve one another, which means to be a waiter or a waitress for one somebody. We are, we are called to just do whatever we can to help serve another Christian. And if you're a speaker, if that's how God has gifted you, you are to speak as though you are speaking the oracles of God. You are to speak because God gifted you to speak and you need to share the gospel with as many people as you can and build up the body of Christ through your mouth. So Peter says, say yes to these things. So believers ought to be saying no and then they ought to be very, very busy people saying yes to Jesus and his gifts. So this reflects a value at our church, which says this, our lives and our possessions are for sharing. Church, we're supposed to be generous. We're supposed to be generous with our time. We're supposed to be generous with our money. We're supposed to be generous with our friendships. We're supposed to be generous all the time. And we are meant to share. And When we say yes to the good grace of God, God will do some amazing things in our lives so do you have the mindset of christ that's the question for us this morning do you have the mindset of jesus in here in your brain because you only get one line you only get one opportunity 70 years maybe 80 that's it you don't get another shot at this the next step of this is eternity with jesus that is it so therefore you have to come through this life with the mindset of christ And you're going to hear 10 million gospels this, this week from the world. I get one gospel opportunity with you on a Sunday morning for 35 minutes. I get one opportunity to influence your thinking and say, get the mindset of Jesus this week. So I'm appealing to you, believers embrace suffering. Please be willing to embrace it. Say no to the world. Just say no. It's okay. And say yes to God's good gifts. And by God's grace, forever and eternity, you will look back on your life and say, I don't regret it. (laughs) I don't regret one sacrifice. I don't regret one step of obedience. I'm thankful for every single one. And if you're here and you are looking at your thin line, and you would just freely admit and you say, I'm, I, am, I am a slave to this world. I am a slave to all the orgies and the crazy stuff and the drunkenness and the sensuality and the passion. That's my, that's my whole life. That's all I've ever known. Can I just tell you that you're lost and that Jesus will give you a whole new path? He will forgive you of your sins. He will pull you out of this wicked world system and he will call you to be his son and his daughter. He'll call you to be a fellow heir of heaven. So if you're here and you need salvation, it'd be a good time to shift your mind this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your word. God, we have some real decisions to make about our mindset. God, I have some real decisions to make about my mindset this morning. God, would you be with every Christian here and fill them with the spirit of God and the power of God to embrace suffering for your name? Would you empower Christians to say no to this world? And just and just make a stand about some things, some sins that have crept in. And God, would you empower Christians to say yes to your good gifts? Lord, you've gifted every every believer with some gift. God, may they be active in sharing it. And God, we pray that uh, you might even save somebody here this morning that just is lost and is a child of the world and son of the devil and all that stuff, Lord, completely lost in their sin. Would you bring them to Christ? Would you lead them to repentance and faith? Help us to respond to you by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.